children, it's time to leave the room. If you are listening right now, shut off the podcast. This one is for the parents. <laughs> Welcome to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. It sounds painful. We just lost the co-host yes. and the producer. Yeah. Where, yes. Where'd they go? The kids are the gone. The kids just left the room. Did your parents ever do that to you? Like, go to your room. I need to speak to your mother. It's like, oh, they Lord. did it. Oh, and yeah. the question is this. Did you ever go shut the door, lay down on the floor, sure. put your do ear? All. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course definitely. you Definitely. In the vents, like mm-hmm. if they're in the basement talking or vice versa, you could go downstairs. Oh, get, get I never right thought of that. Under, oh, yeah. And you could hear. Yeah. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. And the bathroom. Yeah. 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 You got to go to the bathroom yeah. or get a drink. Yes. Yeah. Or get a drink. Yeah. Stretch those legs. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. So yep. this is one of those podcasts today. Um, we're going to be talking about parenting. So if you are one of our teeny bopper audience that <laughs> listens to us, um, Kingdom Speak Kids, just Go back and listen to Pastor James Townley from last week. <laughs> Either that or take good notes for tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take exactly good notes right. for tomorrow. Exactly right. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, quickly, let's hit a couple of reviews before we set our guest loose today. A five-star review that's titled, Eye-Opening. Listen to this. I am a pastor of a small Baptist church, and I just want you all to know how much this has opened my eyes and I receive value from the content in which you present on this podcast. And that is from Baptist Dude on Apple Podcasts. So thank Come you on. very much. That's awesome. That's great. Give it an amen. Yeah. One more quickly. Vital concepts for spiritual growth. This podcast brings biblical concepts to life. Every episode is rich with scripture and drives home truths that we as apostolics hold near. And dear, thank you from Penny Pastor, excuse me, Kenny Godair's church. Oh. And that's from Haley. So thank you very much. We'll say amen to you. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey so, man, yeah. you, have you noticed that? Like our reviews are coming in. Oh yeah. You guys are responding. Oh, yeah. I think I think you kind of chastised them. I did. I a called few them weeks out. Ago. I absolutely did, and they're responding. Yeah. So thank and they're, you. They're taking it well. No sulking. Like a parent. Yes. I set the bar, and yes. I said, I expect things to be different around here. Yeah. So I just want to point out that, uh, yeah. You're a good bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Asking kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> One more thing I wanted to mention. Did you guys notice that right now we have people listening in Ukraine? Yes. Pretty cool. Yes. Wow. Pretty I did cool. notice that. So if you're listening I in did. Ukraine, we're praying for you guys. Absolutely. And, uh, thank you for listening to Kim speak. Wow. So. So today's big. This. Uh, today's big. This is the biggest panel we've ever had on it the is. show. It is. Yeah. So we Speaking have. Speaking of panel, I, you know what? I have only been through two cameras. So. Just do we have somebody else them. at the cycle table? Cycle through them and see what you have here so on camera. So camera two. Yeah, let's camera, all right. So camera one. Oh. Wow. Come on. Yes. Come on. Yes. Look who's back. Yes. Yeah, the, the first, first lady's lady. back. 
Come on. We've put her off. She's asked a lot yes. to yeah. get on the podcast. We, we actually had to get like a recording sign for outside the studio so she, that she wouldn't just keep walking in. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> we'll eventually get yeah. to you, right? Get in line. And boy, she just keeps persisting. Do you know she is the second highest, most popular episode we've had? Oh, you must be proud of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So are you secretly promoting this? I was going to tell Randy and I. He's got like $2,000 in paid promotions. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to give me the money? Oh, no. Or you could ask for it in like handbags or something. Yeah. 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 So one of the, one of the, one of the uh, feedback that we, feedbacks that we got from our listeners was have a little bit more, you know, female Mm -hmm. involvement. Mm -hmm. So we're like, we're like doubling it today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're doubling it today. So and we've never we do- had two male guests. So we're never. setting this is the, the first setting a new a new trend. So not only do we have my wife joining us in studio, mm-hmm. but we have Sister Sarah Woods with us all the way from Beulah, North Dakota. Welcome. Yeah. 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 yeah the people it's not up. summer there yet either, is it? It's getting there. We oh. are in our first spring of many. There oh. of many. <laughs> I love it. I like so that. there's no snow, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No snow. Um, we do have snow still, but it's melting bit. pretty fast. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So I was in North Dakota a few years ago, and I was preaching for Pastor Star at yes. uh, Gap Conference, and Bishop Larry Booker was there, and I had the privilege of being his chauffeur, and being from Canada, I seldom go anywhere that is colder right. than where I'm than where I live. We typically have the corner on cold. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah, we sure do. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And uh, I went there and it was cold. Like it was bad cold. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I, I picked up Brother Booker at the at the hotel because I'm supposed to be thick skinned. So I, I I pick him up and the small little man that he is gets in the pickup that Pastor Star had given us. And, and he's just like stiffened out and he's just kind of like looking at me. He said, you know what? I said, what? He said, you know the only thing that's between here and the North Pole? I said, what? He said, a barbed wire fence. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brother Booker was cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Sister Woods is a pastor's wife. Her and her husband, um, Pastor Michael Woods, pastors Truth Community Church, if I got that right, in Beulah, North Dakota. And Sister Woods has written a book entitled, My Child, Preparing Your Child for the 21st Century. Mm -hmm. Are you getting that? If I got it all right? Yep. Um, it is a tremendous book on raising children in this day and age. And so we are delighted to have her on the episode today to share some of this great content with us. So thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And my wife, actually, in total transparency, is the one that has read the book. Because she's, okay. she's the one that does our kid thing. I, I just watch her. 
right. support her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, my wife was very impacted by what you um, what you wrote, and so we we want to talk about it today. I guess just to kick it off, and then I'm going to let my wife kind of yeah. chime in here. Um, but what what really got you moving in this direction for writing the book? I, that's something that on the show we've talked a lot mm-hmm. about content producers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what uh, has, has kept us motivated to do what we're doing is yeah. that we feel like the apostolic movement needs to transition from being consumers to creators of content. Yes. So we are huge fans of authors, producers, um, what, what, what was it that motivated you to do this? Well, when I, when we first got married, our pastor, who is also my father, Bob Simons, he made all of us read a book about raising kids. Anybody who got married in his church had to read this book about raising kids. Very good. And, and so I read that book. It was very impacting. And also one of Michael's aunts who has really nice children that were, you know, as a teenager, you would observe like these kids are fun to be around. They're not obnoxious. Like, you know, she did something right. What did she do? And she also read this book along with a bunch of others. And so I read this book. It was very impacting for me. However, the author of the book um, was, he had a lot of really interesting doctrinal ideas and he also had a very command personality. So I, I was a consumer as a young parent and I read everything I could get my hands on about raising kids. And, sure. and Sister McKillop will know in the book I talk about that I was very much um, felt like an expert, especially with my first child. But when I read this book, I there were some concepts in it that I had never actually heard before. And, um, and I was like, you know, everybody needs to read this book. I would give it out to people um, and they would get very offended when they read the book. Well, here, the, the writer of this, this book that I read years ago, he was a command personality. Mm-hmm. So very authoritative, which that's how I was raised. That's how my, that's my dad's personality. So I thought he was hilarious. Like all of his examples, I took it like he was joking, you know, like right. I just loved everything about it. People who were not raised by a command personality were very offended by the book. And I, so I got to thinking like, you know, we probably need some apostolic literature about raising children that bring these biblical principles to light, but with the Holy Ghost and with, without having doctrine that is so unbiblical associated. And what, and one thing that um, I realized, especially with raising kids, that the enemy really doesn't care if we have good families, if we also are indoctrinated in false doctrine. Right. And so when we have when we have these books that we're reading that are written by people who that kind of is their religion, is their family, they give you the impression that A plus B is always going to equal C. If you do A and B, you're always going to get C as a result. And I think in their experience, that is true, because I don't think that there's an enemy fighting for the souls of their child, you know. And so in in the church when we are raising children and we also have this force coming against our children, we can go way too far one way where it's all about praying and praying over our kids and no training. Right. But then we also can't go so far the other way that if I just train my kids, then they're going to be these 
you know, they're going to automatically be converted Christians. And so when we started um, the church in Beulah, I was like, there's no way that I feel comfortable giving these tools that I used and that I had to spit all these bones out Mm -hmm. to our new converts. And so I purposely didn't read any child rearing books for years before I wrote this book because I didn't want it to be any kind of like plagiarism or just, you know, rewording something, you know, that I'd already, but I very am very open about the fact that it is just a compilation of things that I have picked up, you know, from all over. Sure. That's awesome. So, Absolutely. But, you know, I think that's one of the impacting parts about it is you can tell it's, it's tried and proven things that you've done, not things that you imagined or gathered or it's your life. I was like, yeah. I love this. I love it. I think you could have called it a day in my life. <laughs> now, I will say that all three of my children, they're 17, 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. And I did ask them to read it before it went to the publisher <laughs> because I was like, you know, basically this is your life on display. And yeah. so, right. and they all approved it. And then my son, my middle son, Eric, the one that kind of broke the mold, he designed the cover. Oh, and cool. so everybody named the little red child in the middle, Eric. That's it. Ah, <laughs> yeah, nice. There we go. I love it. There we go. <laughs> So is he in jail or is he? He is not. He's not. Okay. So things worked out. (laughs) That is great. That's awesome. And I I shared this in the book, but I asked them, you know, I I changed the names of some of the people that I used Mm -hmm. and they asked me if they could, if I could change their names. And um, Eric really wanted me to change his name to Philip, which is my oldest son. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love it. And Philip thought, what of that? Yeah, he, he was not impressed. With that <laughs> yeah, he was the textbook child. So, <laughs> wow. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about that? That whole, um, you know, the, the child that maybe didn't follow the textbook? Yes. So Philip, the firstborn, he did everything. You know, like I said, I was a voracious reader and all of the stuff that I read, he just followed, you know, he was on a schedule and and I had lots of loving advice for other mothers, you know, as the experienced 21 year old mother that I had was, you know, put your baby on a schedule and, you know, all kinds of great advice. And then Mm. 14 months later, Eric was born. And let me tell you, he was on a schedule all right, but it was his own. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't care what you'd read? No, it was very irrelevant to him, very. (laughs) And so I was just completely overwhelmed and completely humbled. And the Lord woke me up and I realized, you know, it's by the grace of God. I mean, we are going to do our best effort, but if kids turn out, it's by the grace of God. It really is. Absolutely. That's good. So, so you, in that moment of, of embracing the reality that not all of my children are the same, because that's a unique thing for us. We have one child. We, we could not have children uh, naturally. So we adopted, we have one child. So we never went through uh, the, okay, I think we got this parenting thing figured out. And then months (laughs) later going, Oh, what's going on (laughs) (laughs) right um yes how how did you respond to that what did you go read another book 
Did you call your <laughs> yes. mom and go, ah! <laughs> Voraciously researched more books about children that don't follow the schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I will say, and I, I did say this in the book as well, but honestly, and you know, you guys have one child, there's two people in there that don't have children, but we can, we can embrace our community and help them through that. And I will say that I had a community in my church of people who could sense that I was very overwhelmed with child number two and they just poured. And so, and even in the book, I encourage people who don't even have children to read the book, because if you're a teacher, if you're an elder in a church, if you're a grandparent, there's so many things that you can come alongside a parent and help them in this process. And I really would say that I a hundred percent credit my family and my church that, that, came alongside me and were like, Hey, this is a process. You know, this is just a step. You're doing it. Keep doing it. You know, that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, I loved what you talked about the difference between the suppression of a child's personality and submission of his will. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. So that was one of so I, my father is a, um, I, w- I would consider him a very practical teacher and he's one of the best that I, I mean, I'm not biased at all, of course, sure. but he's one of the best that I've ever heard. And he is, um, he's so good at just taking biblical truths and putting them into practical advice. And so when I was, when I was studying the concept of submission, the biggest hurdle people run into is, you know, if I'm constantly making my child submit, am I suppressing their personality, like uh, not allowing them to express themselves or, you know, and, and the difference is, is that in the definition of submission, it's, it's choosing to submit your own will. It's choosing to conform. So in submission, you're actually empowering your child to choose. And that's the difference because you actually are suppressing their personality by not empowering them to do that. Because when you are so overcome by your own passions, even the things you want to do, I think there was a famous author that said that once you don't do and the things that you do, you don't want to do. Right. So you're actually suppressing. Yeah. Who was that famous author? Uh, uh, (laughs) Paul Paul says that when I would do good. Mm. Yeah. That's exactly. Evil, evil's exactly. there, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm caught in this. There's a war within my yes. members, and that's exactly what I was referencing. Yeah. He, he was, he was basically saying that when, when we're surrendered to our own passions, absolutely, we can't even accomplish what we want to do. And, and I, so you know, I can, that that's a great, um, a great point because I don't think a lot of times people realize that. The undisciplined child becomes an undisciplined adult, right? Absolutely. And so um, they may not be in aisle for rearranging shelves, but they are they are uh, in in the conference room doing it, asking to speak to the manager. Right. Yeah. Right. right. What's with this food? What's you know? And and they don't they don't realize what you just said that really they are enslaved to their own passions. Exactly. Exactly. So I would actually contend the opposite. When you teach a child submission, you are actually teaching them to have a personality that is actually useful to society. That is so good. Right. That is so good. Right. 
That is so good. Wow. One question, if I could jump back real quick to sure. the difference between the red stick figure and the rest of the uh, gentlemen and ladies on your book here. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. did, did, did Eric know when you were raising him that he was shattering your paradigms? <laughs> I I don't think he did when he was younger because okay. we had equal expectations. And and in, there's a chapter in the book that is, is my child, the exception. And I would say that Eric had more battles to overcome than our other children. In some ways, he was very enslaved by different fears. And if you saw him, I would love to introduce you to my kids, but mm. he is just this giant six foot four, strong, ambitious, you know, outgoing kid but as a child, he was as well. He was very big for mm -hmm. his age, okay. but he was so fearful. And so we expected the same behavior out of him despite those fears, but the way that we, we had to take, it took a lot more effort, if that makes sense. So I don't know that he necessarily realized that he was more work or not, you know, at, now that he's older, he does like mm -hmm. he gets it. And, and the red child, just, I just want to point out that that's for good or bad, like sure. your child depending on how you parent is either going to be sticking out in the crowd because of their head and shoulders above the rest, or they're going to be sticking out because they're obnoxious. <laughs> so right. It's so good or bad. I, that, I, I wholeheartedly agree. The reason I would bring that up would be from the standpoint of how do you balance this as a parent? Um, celebrating the strengths of a child. Yes. Uh, without, you know, do, do you do you try to camouflage the weaknesses in the sense that, man, this kid is always shoving me past my, uh, and 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 this one here is always bringing me my tea with the right amount of sugar in it, and everything's just <laughs> great, and you create you you disturb the ecology of of that family unit. Is that right. something that you tried that that parents should try? To, 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 to not highlight, you know, I don't want this child to think that he is the source of frustration, but yet you know, he's probably going to pick up the odd time. That I know I'm exactly frustrated. what you're saying. Yes. I know exactly what you're saying. And honestly, in our family, um, my husband, he, well, both of us, I feel like you can't, you know, how false praise works. It doesn't Right. when, when children feel good or when they do good, they feel good. When they do bad, they feel bad, right? right. So it's kind of like this. You can't falsely like pretend that those areas don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I would definitely say that, um, well, I do believe that all children are more self-willed. Some children are people pleasers. And so their self-willed tendencies are hidden. And that would be my oldest son. He was more, mm -hmm. you know, like when he was going to be naughty, it was a little sneakier about it. Right. And, you know, and so, and so. I think there were those comparisons that they made amongst each other. Like, you know, whereas Eric would think, well, mom just thinks Philip is perfect and I know better, you yeah. know, but right. I, I don't think that you can, um, you can really do that. Like you do have to highlight their strengths, but I don't think that you can minimize their weaknesses. Mm. If that makes sense, because yeah. I've never seen it work where false praise or like pretending like right. it doesn't exist yeah. actually helps them. Right. But I will say that there's a way to not embarrass them. And that was one of the things like my, my 
older brother, he once said to me that he was worried about my kids because he thought that I was so easy on them. Mm. And I, I laughed because when he told me that as an older, now that they're older and stuff, I, I remember thinking, was I, you know, was I too hard on my kids? Did I have too many expectations? And I, and right after that, he told me, I felt like you were just so easy on your kids. Well, there's a reason he thought that in retrospect, because if they were being naughty in public, I took note, ah, I have failed in training them in that area. And I would make peace in public, try not to make a scene. And I would smile and it was a fake smile. And my kids knew it. (laughs) Those fake smiles. Oh yeah. When I get you to the car, you you, are in trouble. Yeah. Did you have, did you have the eye as well? Like oh, absolutely. with that fake snap. smile. Oh boy. Mm, the, get yeah. up off the ground. Dynamic <laughs> <laughs> combination. Isn't yeah. it? Oh man. Don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah. you know, those scenes that we make in public, a lot of times are stemmed from our own embarrassment because of things you know that it. we did not train when we That's were at massive. home. Absolutely. That is I, so true. Yeah. So true. I am a firm believer that we often misrepresent what the passage of Scripture says when it says that we train up a child in the way that it should go. We are not commanded to discipline up a child in the way exactly. that 100%. he or she should go. So discipline is what we do when training fails. Right. right. Discipline is for rebellion. And you, they can't rebel against something they've never been trained to do. Well said. Mm. Very good. Well said. Very good. Absolutely. That is so good. Um, you talked a bit about um, associative learning. Yes. About every behavior that elicits a reaction, programs an individual to re- expect that response in the future. Can mm-hmm. you elaborate on that a little bit? I loved how you brought that out. So I don't, I don't pretend at all to be an expert about, you know, different, like all of that stuff. I, I've studied it briefly, you know, but I will say that when we have associative learning, we want to train our children that behaviors cause certain consequences. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you want, if you do a certain behavior, you can expect that this is going to happen. If you avoid certain behaviors, you can expect this kind of reward. Mm. And so really that is a training process. And you have to forgive the animal reference here. This is actually one of the things in one of the books that I read that offended the most people. But I would contend that we treat our pets like they are more intelligent than our children. You know, I heard, I, I read a study once where they said that children don't understand the word no until they're three. Well, imagine if you brought home a puppy and didn't start training your puppy mm. till he was three years old. Mm. I mean, it's absurd Chaos. to think about, you Absolutely. know? And so things like associative learning, like, you know, when your child is um, touching an outlet and you maybe flip their hand a little bit so they associate pain to that before they die from it, right? Mm. And so then they start to choose like, oh, I don't like how it feels to touch the outlet. You have given them the power to choose submission. Now. What's interesting about this whole concept is that many people who are opposed to any kind of, you know, I'm associating pain for any reason with my child, they, and we've all met them, those mothers that have that smile. And whenever they're in a conversation with somebody, they're always jumping up and lovingly removing their child from situations. 
I would contend that they're their child. They're bullies because this is what they're teaching their child. They're teaching their child that if somebody is bigger than you, then you have to listen. When I tell you, no, don't touch the outlet because I'm bigger than you, I can go remove you forcefully from Mm. that situation. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. And so then you teach your children not only to be bullies, but to submit to a life of bullying. However, if I say, don't touch the outlet, and I explain to them what that means, take their hand away from the outlet. When mommy says no, you, you have to move away. They don't listen. You go over, you just maybe flick their hand, whatever you choose to do. Mm-hmm. They start to make associations. This, this is hurtful. This hurts. Right. I'm going to quit doing this. And it's their choice. And now you didn't bully them into submission. You gave them choices. And the choice, one was better than the other. And they were intelligent enough to pick the right one. Right. And they right. will. And they will. They will. Yes. They're very smart, much smarter than your animal. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I think this probably brings us up to the chapter that I would say was probably the whole book is good. But I think we talked about this a bit before we started. Um, This is the one that I talked to my husband about. And he was like, wow. But the title of chapter four in your book, I think you might have got it from the Ten Commandments. Yeah, now another one of shall... famous authors, right? Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Right. right. <laughs> but I, I guess it was just so practical, so concise. But thou shalt not lie. Yeah. I was like, okay. What do you mean? The, the kids aren't supposed to lie, you mean? But... No, well, the mom. They are not supposed to lie, but if we are hypocritical, they're going to emulate <laughs> right. what we do. Well, I thought this was about kids. I didn't know this was about parents. Right, right. Yeah, painfully more about parents. That was one of the most. um, Okay, so in the chapter, thou shalt not lie. Mm -hmm. Here's here's a perfect example. And how many times have we heard parents do this? And on, if we're really honest, how many times have we done this ourselves? If you do that one more time, oh, yep, absolutely. I'm not telling you again. I'm not. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm not telling (laughs) you again. Oh, right. And we are inadvertently teaching our children that when adults speak, they don't mean it. It's only till they get to certain levels of anger that we actually have to conform. So I'm not telling you that I was 100% perfect, but my goal was that I wanted to be able to say to my kids, child, stop that. Just like that. Or I need you to come over here without having to keep accelerating to these levels of anger that are very embarrassing in public for you, for your child, and for everybody that's around you. Because we've all seen those situations where a child is out of control, then the parent is out of control, and it's embarrassing. It makes that's what I was just that's what I was just going to ask you was at what point does the whole thing not then begin to unravel because the frustration level gets so elevated in the parent that now the lack of discipline in the child is exacerbating a lack of discipline in the parent. Exactly. And any correction that happens in that environment never is successful in my opinion. I will say that when I see a child misbehaving, I don't ever fault the child Okay. because we are born self-willed and born into sin. I fault the parent. It is, it is an indication of a lack of training on the parents' part. And so, and again, I'm not going around being critical, but if a child is not used to um, 
you following through on your commands, that's very evident, especially when you're in public. Right. Probably even more so. So they call you out on it, right? (laughs) They do. Yeah. They do. And so as a parent, and uh, Sister McKillop, this was in your notes, but you had mentioned the, the pro tip that yes. I, you know, I hesitate to share because it makes you look like a bad parent in public, but we're not really trying to make good impressions. We're trying to raise good children. Right. And so when I'm in public and I'm having a conversation with somebody and they are, you know, my kids are going crazy when they were little, you know, and I would a lot of times pretend I didn't see it because if I could not stop, if I was counseling somebody or we were in the middle of a musician's practice or whatever we were doing, if I was not able to stop and follow through right then, it is more detrimental to my child for me to tell them to stop and not follow through on it oh, than absolutely. for me to just pretend I don't notice. Right. I I have said this um, repeatedly. We've tried to practice this. Again, we are, we are not done raising our child yet. He's 14 but we're not in our first six months either. And it's better to not have a line or for the line to be maybe improperly drawn. Absolutely. Okay. Then it is Mm. to be inconsistently applied. Absolutely. Yes. And, and um, sister McKillop also brought up the whole examples I gave of three different families. If your family, if you're a laid back parent, you cannot have the same expectations of families that aren't laid back mm-hmm. because you will not follow through on them. And then you will just like, just like brother McKillop said, you'll have these inconsistencies that are like, when is my mom serious? When is she not? Right. When is she lying? <laughs> when right. is she not? Right. right. Absolutely. Right. What were those three examples of the three different families? Can you just go over those? Cause that was very interesting. You yes. could make okay. mental so, pictures. As I was reading them, I was like, I get this. I get this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I really didn't want this book to only cater to high-strung families. My husband and I are both high-strung command personalities. So we everything matters to us. Okay. The way our kids dress, what kind of foods they ate, their schedules, everything. We cared about everything. And it was easy to follow through on it because we cared, right? So I have, we have two best friends and they have very nice children, well-established families that are very different than we are. In one of the situations, the dad is very high strung. The mom is very laid back. So things like the, the mom, when her kids were little, literally rocked all three children to sleep every night. I mean, I can't even fathom that. My, my, my parenting style was like, we pray, we get drinks of water, we go to the bathroom, now you're in bed. And you stay in bed unless you're dying, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she cuddled her child to sleep every night. If there was company there, the child just stayed awake until mom was able to. It, it worked great for them. She was consistent. She was able to follow through with it. It was important to her. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. Like she did not need to be Sarah Woods, this high strung command sure. mother. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And then I have another set of friends, same thing. They have four children, beautiful children that love their parents, well-established family. They were both super laid back. I don't even know if their children ever had bedtimes. They just, they didn't set those. Now they had really high integrity and there was principles, of course, of God's word. 
but it didn't matter because what was important to them, they followed through on. Now I did qualify in the book that there are some things that have to matter to every family respect for other people. You know, if your children are in church causing a scene and it doesn't bother you because you're laid back that, you know, that still has to matter to you. Yeah. Because it's being disrespectful to other people. But I'm talking about just little, you know, the daily things. You cannot try to emulate and be a parent you're not because you'll fail at consistency. Absolutely. I think it's very important that you embrace and you need to recognize what type of parent am I? Yes. Because when you start to try to compare yourself, it's like you say, you can set expectations that you can't meet. Boy, That's exactly right. Another author had an opinion about that. (laughs) When you compare yourself, I think he said it was... Not wise. There we go. I almost, Not wise. Yeah, I almost said it, but there was no kids listening to this. I almost yeah. said it was stupid. Mm. Yeah. That is right. No kids. So no kids. No so kids. I'm going to say good. It. we're good. It is. It, it is, and it's and it's true. very frustrating. Right. And and we will we will frustrate ourselves. Absolutely. And trying to pick that up, which comes full circle back to undermining the ability to be consistent, which is massive. Right. right. And along those lines, and this is something that I always want to point out is if you're a single mom, of course, you know, this applies to you or a single dad or whatever, but if you're a married couple, your children are not the most important part of your relationship. Your, your husband and your wife are. And so you are going to breed very insecure children. If, if you play the parents against each other, if the children know that, that if they complain to mom about how harsh dad was and she will, and she will sympathize with that, it, it really breeds a lot of fear and insecurity in children. They, the unified front, and this was another thing that as I observed families where, you know, the children maybe um, aren't living for God or they've struggled with things. A lot of times you could see this kind of this playing the parents against each other. And, and even if you felt like your husband was too harsh, or even if you felt like your wife was, you know, making unreasonable demands, talk about it when the kids aren't around and come back That's together right. and have a, a unified front. Absolutely. That is so good. So good. A house divided. Exactly. Yes. Itself. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Um, jumping to chapter eight, I just, oh. I, the chapter on please judge me. You know, that is so against our culture that we live it really in. Is. It really is. Um, And I guess there was a couple statements, and this is quoting right from your book, about moms are the thermostat of the home and strive to set the temperature to that which is joyful and right. Don't be a thermometer that broadcasts to everyone the current situation. (laughs) Like that is just so, so good. And then, So in other words, don't get on social media and say, my kids are driving me crazy. Is that what I'm (laughs) Is that, what, is that right. what I'm hearing you say? Okay. Can't wait to send it back to school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the kids right. get back to school and my mom said, your mom couldn't wait for you to get back to school. Yeah. You know how that works. It's right. terrible. And little yeah. seeds get planted in their minds of, you know, does my mom really feel that way? And in a moment of frustration, we all have to have a place where you can vent safely. But yes. social media but is probably not, not the place. Yeah. No. <laughs> But the whole concept of having the attitude of please judge me. Yes. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? 
so this chapter was very humbling for me to write. I wrote the whole, mostly the whole book. This is my husband and I were just talking about this. I was sitting in a coffee shop at the Mall of America, on, honestly, because I think better when there's noise going on around me. And um, and there were some times that were pro- people probably thought it was a little awkward because I would just cry while I was writing it. But this was a humbling chapter to write because of a situation in our own family that, um, and I was very transparent in the book, but one time my husband came home from work and and he heard me berating the children and he, not in front of them, but afterwards told me, he said, you sound like you hate them. Mm-hmm. And that was very eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I do not hate my children. And is that really how I sound when I'm getting onto them? But that was not my initial reaction. <laughs> my initial reaction was, I wonder how he would react if he was home with all these, with these I kids was gonna all the time. Say it. And- <laughs> Absolutely. If he yeah. was here like I was. <laughs> exactly. And, and, but, you know, I am so thankful and, and we both have that command personality, like I had mentioned, but he's a stronger one than I am. And thank the Lord for that, because he can tell me when, um, when I'm out of line and, and what if he couldn't? What if right. I was the type of wife that made life miserable? And I'm not saying I never was. I'm not trying to be this. I'm not perfect. But I'm just saying, if he felt so scared to to ever judge me because he was so worried that I would, you know, quit talking, give him the cold shoulder, make life miserable for the whole family, we have got to open ourselves to judgment so that we can be right. Right. Now, that being said, I'm not promoting at all that we're going around judging everybody else. It, right. The whole point of the chapter was be open for people to judge you. Right, right. And would it be would it be safe to say that you you your target would be those that you have a relationship with? That's the only thing you can. I know. Right. I there's a situation where there was this little girl that I loved. I love, and, and she was the first child and her mom was really young. And I just started praying, God, if there's anything that I can do to help this mom open a door. And he does like about a week later or a couple of weeks later, the mom literally called me on the phone and she's like, I need help. And then the door was open. But if people aren't ready to hear, you're not going to be helpful, you know? Right. And so, so yes, be that mom. I need help. Can you help me? Can you judge me? And I will say this about the church, and I'm a huge proponent of the church. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to tell you guys a story about a time that I really thought, when it says judgment begins in the house of the Lord, I know this is probably not what that verse means, but I really feel like when you have a group of people who know what your goals are and they are willing to help you right. follow that, right. it is unmeasure, immeasurable, the benefit. Right. And so the right. other day, or a few a few years ago now, I was teasing the, or telling the boys, you know, dad and I, we really did a good job of training you guys because you guys would sit on the front row of the church and we'd be on the platform and you guys sat there so well. And it must've been because of all of those training seminars that we had at home where I would sit my kids on the couch, we would read books and, you know, they weren't allowed to get off the couch and I was training them how to sit in church. Oh my goodness. They, Philip and Eric, they just died laughing. They were like, you think that's why we sat good on the front row of the church? And I was like, well, isn't it why? And they said, no, it was because brother Dave sat right behind us. And if we turned around, he was always telling us to turn back around. And if we were misbehaving, he was always tapping us on the shoulder. <laughs> telling us to straighten up. He never, brother Dave never told me that. 
He never tattled on my kids. He never, you know, like your kids were so naughty in church. I had no idea he was doing that. But thank God that I had an elder in our church that was coming alongside. Yes. Yeah. And and could could I add this? That thank God that you had a reputation that you wouldn't be defensive of your kids. Yes. Because and that did is you so say his important. name was Dave? Yes. So 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 that a brother Dave mm-hmm. feels like he can because he understands that your desire is to have a proper child rather than to be running D for your children all the time and, and exactly. blocking everybody's you know, that's my kid. I, there's just, there's something, that, that's a two-way street. We need the elders, yes. but we also have to be open to be judged. That's so true. Yes. That's so true. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. Wow. So good. This is so good. So what so is fun. some advice that you would give today to a young mom, to your, that you would have liked to have received back when your Eric, Philip, and what did you say your daughter's name was? Jackie. Jackie. Back when they were in their prime. Yes. Well, I want to say that what you're doing is a holy calling. For young mothers, young fathers, you are training the next generation. And how you train them is going to be how they respond to authority, how they respond to the church and to each other, and how they respond to God. God. And Mm. so if you are constantly making excuses for your child and for your child's behavior, you are going to teach them to make excuses for their own behavior. And so I I would tell young parents that the most important thing you're doing is, I had a lady say to me, um, she told her daughter, when I'm training you to obey me, I'm teaching you how to obey God. It's practice, baby. Uh, (laughs) And and I love that line. It's practice, baby. That's really good. You are teaching them how to respond to the Lord by expecting Mm -hmm. them to respond to you. And, and one of the things delayed obedience is disobedience. When you are, when you are rooting out rebellion in your child, Mm. you are rooting that out so that they don't have to deal with that in their response to God. Right. And one thing that was really eye opening to me when I was studying the book is that is or studying for the book is in first Samuel when it said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft Mm. and no parents, Christian parents that I know of would ever be opening their, their world up to witchcraft. You wouldn't bring a Ouija board in. You wouldn't invite a witch in to cast a spell, but how many times have we seen children throwing fits, rebelling against something that their parents have said, and we're all smiling and acting like they're going to be world changers because of their strong will. Right. We're literally inviting the spirit of rebellion into our homes by not driving that out of our child. Mm. And so I, I just encourage parents to think of the bigger picture. We are not, we are not just reacting. What what did you call it? The, um, the boppets or when you were the gophers. gophers. Yeah. That is not our job. Exactly. Putting out fires. We are the parent and, and if you're not training your child, your child is training you, mm. you know, they're, they're, they're training you because they're like, well, when I throw this kind of fit, then mom's going to sure. do this. And when I demand this, then mom's going to do that. I, I'll, lo- I'll just tell this quick story, but there was this little boy that I had in my home and 
I have never heard a child articulate this before. And I think the Lord just worked it all out for this book, but he, I always used to give him, or I always used to hug him. Then I realized he didn't really love hugs. And so I, I would always rub his head and he loved it. I mean, that was our little deal. He'd come home from school and I'd rub his head and he, I would say, how was your day? And he'd say bad. And we always had this little thing. Well, one day I rubbed his head. We had our whole little thing. He goes, you're going to stop that. He was like seven. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I mean, it was a pre-established thing. I mean, I'm respectful of boundaries, but this was, he was just, you know, testing something. And he would, he goes, if I get very angry, you'll stop that. And I was like, no, I won't. And the words out of his mouth, he goes, or I said, in this house, it doesn't work that way. And he goes, I'll train you to work that way. Literally said those words. I will train you to work that way. And I was like, you know what, buddy? I didn't say this to him, but you're exactly right. He had trained adults in his life to work that way. And, and he was testing to see if he could train another adult. So train your children. Don't let them train you. (laughs) And, and in the case of training, going back to the discussion of consistency, we're probably going to be more consistent at it than we are if we're not careful. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Wow. Yeah. So what, what do you, what do you say? Cause I've, I've had this discussion and uh, we, we, we don't have time to unpack it all, but let me just throw it out and, and get your feedback before we wrap up here today. How, how you were brought up affects how you, mm-hmm. um, I think there's generally consensus about that, our upbringing. Yes. So when you have someone that's been subjected to abusive forms of discipline. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe, maybe they were raised in a home that just didn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they come to church, you know, maybe they weren't even churched. They, they're a first generation um, apostolic or. Yeah. And that, you know, I just, I, I don't, I just, I don't think I can discipline my child. That's just not me. Um, it, it's, it's, it's either that it's not me or you have, and I know this is kind of parallel tracks here, or you have someone that says, do you know what? I tried it and it didn't work. Um, so you got anything else right. that I can do? Right. Well, I know I, that's, that's two questions that are kind of, yes, but they're in, in somewhat of the same field. Both of them don't believe it works. So right. one just doesn't do it because they were, i.e., subjected to abuse or it never was a part of their life. Or you have someone that, you know, I've, I've used corporal discipline. I've used the it corner. I've used the timeouts. I've used, and it just don't work. Yeah, that's good. It's a good question. And I, I, I do talk about that a little bit in the book in the, in the sense that, like I teach my kids Bible study students, if we believe that God created the world, then creators get to make the rules, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's a creation, there's a creator, and the creator gets to make the rules. Your child was created by God, and so he gets to make the rules. And so if, you know, you've talked to that mom that I just love my child too much to ever, you know, use 
corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine doing that. I love my child too much, but the Bible literally says, if you won't, you hate your child. You hate, it's the opposite of love. And, and the only, one of the only promises we have in scripture about the heart of our child is that the rod of correction will drive foolishness out of the heart of a child. And so, you know, this is a, this is a tough topic and, and I don't love to speak about it on forums like this because it can be taken so wrong and, mm-hmm. and people that it can be triggering to people. But I just want to say that because sin has allowed people to misuse something that God created to be beautiful is not an excuse for us to quit following the commands of God. Right. So well the, said. So well the said. The rod and the staff in, in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, comforted right. the sheet. Right. What do we use rods and staffs for as shepherds? It caught, It's associated with pain. It wasn't something they snuggled with, the rod and the staff, and yet the Bible said it brought them comfort. Right. And so I believe as we are shepherding the hearts of our children, when we are using the rod, like the Bible commands us, we are driving the foolishness out of the heart of our children, and we are comfort, comforting them because we are bringing absolution to sin. And we are we are designed to, to want that absolution. Right. And that's how right. we have to bring it to our children. So then you would say that it, that it does work. It a hundred percent works. <laughs> it has to, it's right. God's word. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's just a lack of faith or it's, it's a lack of self-control. And, and if you have an anger problem, you need to get that under control before Absolutely. you ever touch your child. Absolutely. Somewhere there's an application problem. Yes. If, 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 if something's not following through, there's a consistency yeah. problem, there's an application problem, there's an anger problem. Yeah. And the, the danger of conflating abuse with discipline is, is because I have used discipline does not mean I'm abusive. So exactly. those that have been subjected to that form in their past, number one, we, and I know you would agree, we, mm-hmm. we, we're sorry for that. That should never have happened. Yes. But... There's also abusive relationships in marriages, and you got married. Right. Um, and that's why you have a child. Right. And you, you follow me? Uh, I do. If, 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 we, if, if everything that was abused we ignored, then we couldn't do anything. Right. Because there's right. nothing in the realm of boundaries, authority, positions of authority, discipline, that someone within that yes. sphere has not abused it. Absolutely. So yes, we still so pull true. over if the police officer comes up behind us, even though some <laughs> right. may be a bit overbearing, you know? Right. And Absolutely. Yes, I agree so, with that. So good. This has been excellent. Excellent. So much fun. Wow. So much fun. Thank we, you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to we want to point people in the uh, right direction for getting your book. Well, Everybody you. needs to go buy it. Yes. Everybody. Go buy it. Post pictures of yourself with it. Yes, I would love that. Um, Leave a review. Yes. yes. It's an go. easy read. It's it's very doable for a busy take mom. you an hour and a half maybe to read it, something like that. It's not by any means a uh, um, research paper that covers everything. It's meant to be very simple and easy to read. Very practical. Very practical. So the website is yes. sarahjowoods.com. Yes. 
Yes. SarahJoeWoods.com. You can pick up the book there. Um, you also can get it at Amazon, the WPF Bookstore, and Pentecostal Publishing House. Yes. Um, the author gets the best bang for the buck on her website. So <laughs> thank you. That. And if you, if it's something that you want to order in bulk, um, the shipping is included on all of those sites, just contact me directly because it's much cheaper to ship them all together. And I can definitely do a better deal if you want in bulk. And for all of our FWC listeners, we have books available. So we have done the bulk order and, um, we believe in what you're doing. This is a very important subject. And thank you for your uh, contribution to the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for having me. It was quite an honor. 